Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. So I want to let you in on a little bit of secret this morning. And um, if you ask any pastor, any preacher, they would probably tell you, if you really press them, they would probably tell you the same thing. I have a bit of mixed emotions about this time of year. And I'll tell you why. Because I love the Christmas season. Don't get me wrong. I love the story. I love Christmas. I love all the celebration and the lights and the whole thing. I love Christmas. But it's like after 19 years of preaching in the same place, you kind of run out of things to say, you know? (laughs) It's like, you know, what are you preaching on this Christmas season? I don't know. Uh, Christmas, you know? And, and you know, you probably don't understand this, but as a preacher, see, there's only four Gospels, okay? And only two of them really tell the story of Jesus' birth. So, like, the source material is really thin here, you know? And, like, year after year after year, it's like, how do you, you know, where do you, where do you tell the story in a different way? And then on top of that, everybody knows the story, you all know the story. I mean, you're all, you may not have all the ins and outs of it. You may not have all the details worked out, but you pretty much know the story. In fact, many of you have been in the story. How many sheep here this morning? Eh? Yeah. I mean, you were, you know, you, sometime in your life, maybe growing up in church and Sunday school, you were in the Christmas pageant, you know? You were the sheep. You were Mary or Joseph or, or you did the bathrobe thing, you know, because that's where all the extras go. They're the shepherds, you know? We don't know what to do with these guys. They're just a bunch of shepherds. We put them in bathrobes, give them a stick, and, you know, put a rag around their head. You know, they're shepherds, you know? I guess out of curiosity, how many here have been in the Christmas story at one point or another in your life? Yeah, see? All the spiritual ones. (laughs) My little brother, my little brother was born on November 27th. Want to guess what role he played that year? Little baby Jesus, never to be confused with him again in his life, but that, that, that winter, that Christmas, we are so familiar with the story, we could probably all tell it. Maybe not all the details, but we could all pretty much tell the story. And I wonder sometimes if our familiarity with the story kind of makes it lose a little bit of its impact or its significance, or its meaning, because it's, yeah, 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 it's Christmas, yeah, wise men, you know, Virgin Mary, Joseph the donkey, manger, no room in the inn, the whole bit, yeah, 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 I know the story. But this year, what I'd like to do is maybe take a look at it from a different perspective, and we're going to look at it through John's gospel. John doesn't tell the story, per se. What John gives us is kind of the cosmic backstory, John gives us, John's gospel kind of gives us a peek behind the scenes of what God was doing through all of this, through this story that we're so familiar with. What was it that God was doing? Why did he do it the way that he did? How did it come about this way? And what is it that God is saying to us? So if you want to turn in your Bibles, if you've got one with you, if you don't, there's a, they're probably on a seat next to you. If you want to turn to John's gospel, John chapter one, we're going to start at the very beginning. This is what John wrote. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. 
In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent or of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. So the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. And out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son who made him, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, he has made him known. Maybe you want to turn over a few pages to the book of Hebrews. The writer to the Hebrews wrote it this way. Chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. In the past... God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things. And through him also, he made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Word. That's what I want us to grab onto this morning. That God is speaking. God spoke through Jesus. So if God is speaking and God spoke through Jesus, what is it that he's saying? What is it that he wants us to understand? What does this Christmas story tell us? What is God saying? And what does Christmas tell us about God? And I think there's a couple of really important things. Because John tells us Jesus was the word. The word, the last word, God's final word. And he's speaking that through Jesus, God is speaking. And through Jesus, God speaks. And he speaks in a way that we can understand. He says, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. What he's saying is it is in God's very nature to communicate. That God does not stand far off, aloof, separate from this world. But God is communicating. God's very nature is speaking that throughout human history, God has been speaking to this world. And Jesus was not God's plan B or C or D or I tried this and they didn't listen and I tried that and they didn't listen and I tried something and I, 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 I don't know what else to do. He says it's from the beginning. From the beginning, God was speaking. In his creation, Jesus was there speaking. 
And all throughout human history, from creation on, it has been the same consistent message that God speaks to mankind. That God wants to draw us to himself. It is this message of grace. And it's been the same message from the very, very beginning. Hebrews 1, put it this way. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. God is speaking. The problem is that we don't understand. It's not that God hasn't been speaking. It's that we're not tuned in to the language. Most of you know I I, I sail. I love sailing. And one of the great joys I have during the summer months is racing. And um, here's something you need to know about uh, sailboats, okay? There are no such things as ropes on a boat. I know you see ropes all over the place, but they are not ropes. They are lines. And every line has a specific task, and they have a specific name. There are sheets. There are halyards. There are downhauls and outhauls and cunninghams and twingers and foreguys and topping lifts. And they all have a name, and they all have a specific function. Now, this past summer, we had a brand-new crew member. Never sailed before in his life. And so we are teaching him how to sail. And we're teaching him, there's no ropes on a boat. Okay? They are lines. And this line does that. And this line does the other. And you are in charge of these two lines. Now, my job on the boat, okay, is I am the, I am the foredeck guy. And, and when we run that, that spinnaker, that sail that looks like a parachute, okay, for those of you who don't know, that big colorful one out front, it's my job to keep that flying and make sure that it's perfectly trimmed. And one of the ways that I do that is through this, it's called the spinnaker pole. And there are two lines that operate the spinnaker pole. There's the fore guy, which holds it down to the deck so it doesn't fly up this way. And there's a topping lift, which holds it up this way so it doesn't just drop to the deck, okay? Now, the new guy on the crew, his only job is four guy topping lift because you're in the back I adjust the pole, but you got to work with me on this, okay? Now, the four guy on our boat is a blue line. It's a blue rope, okay? <laughs> well, you can imagine he's never sailed before. So we're up there, and we're in the middle of a spinnaker jive, and I'm trying to get the spinnaker put on the other side and hooked onto the mast, and I'm telling him, I need more guy. I need more guy. Release the four guy. Release the four guy. And he's blah, blah, blah. pull out the blue rope. <laughs> That he knows. <laughs> See, we don't know all the terminology, and we don't know all the language, so God speaks, but we don't understand him. And part of God speaking through human history was God trying to explain himself to us through the law, through the prophets, through God speaking to the nation of Israel. That God has been speaking since the beginning of time, but we are so foreign to the language and we don't know the terminology that we don't understand what he's saying. Now John comes along and he says, now, now in Jesus, God is speaking the clearest he has ever spoken. If you want to understand God, look at Jesus. Because Jesus is showing us what God is like. And all through human history, God has spoken. He spoke to Abraham, and he said, let's take a walk. And I'm going to lead you in a nation that you don't know, through a countryside that you don't know, but this is going to be the inheritance of your family. He spoke to Moses from a burning bush. 
And he said, I'm going to have you come and take my people out of their captivity in Israel. And then later on, he spoke to Moses on the top of a, of a cloud-covered mountain, and he gave him the law. There's an account in Scripture where God actually spoke through the mouth of a donkey to a prophet named Balaam. <laughs> Look it up. It's there. God finds ways to speak. The prophet Elijah went through an incredibly tough time. And at the lowest point, he just had a meltdown in his ministry and in his life. And God said, I'm going to speak to you. And God sent this storm and a hurricane force winds and blew things all over the place. But it says God was not in the storm. And then God sent an earthquake and the ground shook and the rocks fell. And, but God was not speaking in the earthquake. And then a forest fire came through the land, but God was not in the fire. And then after all that, it says, and then God spoke in a still Small voice. He whispered. See, we all think, if God would just speak in that, that thunder and lightning voice, then I would hear him. Then I would recognize him. But more often than not, God speaks in a whisper. And in Jesus, that's what he was doing. And a little baby, in a far-off part of a very vast empire, God whispers. And God enters this world. And in Jesus, God speaks the clearest he ever has. Our granddaughter now is coming up on two years old, and now she's in the speaking stage. And so she speaks a language that we don't understand. Because <laughs> she can't do all those you know, compound consonant sounds like grandma. We don't have grandma, we have gaba <laughs> and papa. And she likes avocados, but they're just cados. <laughs> and she likes quesadillas, but they're just dias. <laughs> and she has a really good friend, who's, older friend, whose name is Robinson, but she can't say Robinson, so he's Rossi. <laughs> and you know what? She's got our whole family saying Gaba and Papa and Cado and Dia because we are speaking in a language that she understands. And in Jesus, God, in essence, is speaking baby talk. Because that's the language we understand, literally. He's speaking the language that we understand. And what we see in Jesus as you look at his life and his ministry, what we see in Jesus is what we get with God. If you want to know what God thinks about the self-righteous religiosity, listen to Jesus' words. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? You want to know what God has to say about the poor and needy? Listen to Jesus' words. Whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. If you want to know what Jesus has to say, about what God has to say and how he cares about those who have drifted far from him, listen to Jesus' words. The Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. There is greater rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. You want to know God? Look at Jesus. In fact, here's a challenge I have for you this Christmas season. Here's what I would like you to do. Read the Gospel of John. Starting today, John chapter 1. And just read the encounters and the conversations that Jesus has. Read his teachings. Look at how he interacts with people. Look at what he does for those who are hurting and in need. 
Listen to the words that he speaks. And just one chapter a day, beginning today with chapter one. Read all of chapter one. And tomorrow, chapter two. And I know you're going to get into Christmas Eve and you're going to be at the, at, you're going to be at the crucifixion, okay? <laughs> and it's going to be a little confusing for you, but do it. This Christmas, reacquaint yourself with Jesus. Because in Jesus, God is speaking in a way that we understand. And not that, just we would, not that we would just understand him, because John tells us there's something more that God is speaking, not just that we would understand him, but that we would know him. That in Jesus, God speaks in a way that we would know him, because as important as what he says is how he says it. And we all not know that to be true. We know there is more to communication than just the words that were spoken. Okay? There's body language, there's tone, there's inflection. There's all kinds of things in the way things are said as important as, how, as what they are said. Let me give you an example of this. I'm trying my best. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none who is righteous. No, not one. Or all have sinned come short of God's glory. There's none righteous. Not one. You hear the difference? Same words. Much different meaning. In Jesus, the communication of God becomes a conversation. Because he stops and he stays. Some 30, 33 years or so. He grows up in a family. He hangs out with fishermen. He reaches out and touches the lepers. He goes to dinner with tax collectors. And there's God speaking. Speaking. He talks the talk and he walks the walk. We have a saying, we say very often around here, talk is cheap. Talk is cheap. You can say a lot of things. What it comes down to is, do you walk the walk? See, a father can say, I love you, son, but never show up to any of his little league games. What's he really saying? A friend can say, I'll be here for you, but in the time of crisis, you call and they're too busy to give you the time. Talk is cheap. Not in Jesus. Not in Jesus. What he says, he does. And the language that he speaks is not just the language that we would understand. It is the language of relationship. Because he wants us to know him. God is speaking. And so often I talk with people and they get so hung up on, on theology and, and theory. Because um, it just, it's, it's, it's tough for us to understand God. And people say things like, well, how can God be three and one? You know, how, how can God become man? What happened when Jesus was on this earth? And what, who was in heaven? Who was, who was minding the shop? How did that all work? And we do our best to try to explain that to people. And we say things, well, you know, God is three and one. And it's not one plus one plus one equals one. It's, it's like one times one times one equals one. Or, or think of an egg. You know, an egg is one thing, but it's a shell and it isn't white and it's a yolk. Or, or, or think of water. It can be steam. It can be ice. It can be liquid. But all of those are just trying to explain something that cannot be understood. And we get so hung up on the abstract. But Jesus speaks the language of relationship. 
not theory, not theology, not formula, not creeds. He speaks relationship because it's not about information for us to attain. It's about a relationship that we engage in. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The message paraphrase puts it this way. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. I like that. In fact, think about that a little bit this morning. If Jesus was your neighbor, what would that look like? What would your house look like? (laughs) If you met him at the mailbox as you got home from work each day, as you rolled out the garbage can to the curb on Sunday evening for Monday's pickup, and he rolled his out from the next door, if he worked in your office, if he sat in your classroom, what would that look like? Because that's what happened. Jesus moved into the neighborhood. And the neighborhood was changed. There goes the neighborhood. (laughs) Because what he wants is for us to know him. It's much easier to deal with God in the abstract. Because then he doesn't touch my life. It's much easier, it's much easier to try and reduce things to a formula. If I do this, then God will do this, and that will be the result. That would be far easier, but that's not what he does. He moves into the neighborhood, and you read through the Gospel of John, and Jesus has a conversation with a man named Nicodemus, whose whole life has been built around strict adherence to the law of Moses. And he is as upright as he can possibly be. And Jesus says to him, you need to be born again. Because this isn't about just fixing up your old life. This is about something far deeper that needs to happen. And then not much longer, later, he meets a woman who has given up on marriage. She has been through broken relationship after broken relationship after broken marriage after broken marriage. She is a Samaritan who is not highly regarded among the Jews. And she is an outcast in her own community drawing water in the middle of the day all by herself when everybody else would have done it in the early morning. And Jesus sits on the side of the well with her and talks to her about living water. There is a real life for you. There is real love for you. Something that you have given up on all of your life and never fully experienced, there is something that God has for you. And he meets a cripple who for years has laid beside a pool, waiting for the opportunity to jump into the pool to be healed. And Jesus asks him a very inconvenient question Do you want to get well? (laughs) Because Jesus meets the individual and he has conversations with real people. It's not a formula. It's a relationship. John 1.18. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. He wants us to know him. God speaks so that we would understand him, so that we would know him. But not just that. He speaks so that we would trust him. Because ultimately, there can be no relationship without trust. You can ask me, how do I know that my wife is faithful? I know because I trust her. Why do you trust her? I trust her because I know her. 
Well, how do you know her? Because I trust her. How can you trust her? Because I know her for 35 years. We have developed a relationship, and that's how relationships work. They are built on trust. Trust takes the risk, and in the risk makes itself vulnerable. But in that vulnerability, when one is proven trustworthy and faithful, intimacy results. And that is what God wants for us. That relationship of trust, of risk, of trust, of vulnerability, of discovering His faithfulness, of knowing Him. See, God's goal, God's desire is not to somehow twist our arm and get us to acquiesce, acquiesce and somehow acknowledge, be forced to acknowledge that He exists. That is not what He is after. What he is after is a trusting, loving relationship. What we find in Jesus is that God is intensely relational and personal. He is not far off. He is speaking and his speaking always calls for a response. John goes on with the story. He says, he was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. Did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. He came, he spoke, he lived, he related. He showed us God, and we didn't recognize it. And we rejected it. And some questioned, and some argued, and some challenged, and some doubted, and some rejected. And yet, and yet, John says, not everybody did. Yet there were some. Yet to all who did receive him, To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That is the response that he is looking for. It is the response of trust to those who received him. Received him. The Greek word is paralambano. Aren't you impressed? In fact, I'm going to teach you some Greek this morning. Say it with me. Paralambano. Paralambano. You know what? You know kind of some of the parts of that word. Not paralambada, by the way. Para is the same word for parallel, that prefix. It means alongside or aligned with. Lambano means to take up. And what this means is to receive him, is to, to align my life with his, to take up him to myself, to enter into a relationship in, in such a way that we are side by side, arm and arm, Life in life. And he says, those who took took that step, who put their trust in him, who took up that life, who entered into that relationship, to those who received him, he gave the right to become children of God. Something supernatural happens. Children not born of natural descent or a human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Life-changing And it is life-changing whether it is the first time you have heard that message or the thousandth time. Because it is a life of faith. It is a relationship. And because it is a relationship and because it is a life, it is not static. It's not a once-time, it's all done kind of thing. It is ongoing, living, breathing, growing, constantly stretching and questioning and challenging. Ups and downs, peaks and valleys, all in and through it all. Hurdles and roadblocks. And even breaking points. 
of faith. God keeps speaking. I was thinking about this this week and thinking of some of the, the crossroad times in my own life, my own ministry, and just some of those whispers of God to me. And they sound pretty generic, but I can, I can name each and every situation where that word came to me, the word of God speaking to my heart. And they're going to sound really, really generic, but I'm just going to read a few of them to you. Those times when God spoke to me, and they sound generic, but they, they, they are specific situations where God said to me things like, give me your best. Give me your best. Or ask of me. Take the risk. Get some help. Examine your motives. Let others lead. Let go. Trust me. Maybe generic terms. But each time God whispered those things to my heart. At a crossroads in my own life and ministry. God was speaking. And that is the nature of the relationship. That God wants for you. And maybe you're at one of those crossroads. Maybe you're at one of those breaking points. Maybe you are struggling in your faith right now. And I just want you to know, God is speaking to you. He is speaking. In a language that you will understand. So that you would know Him. You would trust Him. Can God be trusted? In Jesus, the answer is a resounding yes. Listen to Jesus' words. Whoever comes to me, I will never, never drive away. I read to you, John Ortberg wrote this. Faith is not simply holding beliefs. Many people, when they consider faith, think, I believe God exists, or I believe scripture is accurate, or I believe love is the greatest value. But at its core, faith is not simply the belief in a statement. Faith puts its trust in a person. Trust honors the freedom of persons and makes possible growth and intimacy. There is no other way to intimacy and depth of relationship between persons than to trust. Would you bow your heads with me? Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Benicia, California.